mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Tobin here with you on Fighters Fury. What a night of fights it was yesterday. Holy hell. I mean, an incredible night from start to bottom. First of all, we had ourselves an unbelievable coming out performance overseas by Alexander Usyk uh, with his knockout victory over Tony Bellew. We'll get to a little bit later about that and what the ramifications are of that. Uh, We swung down here. We had a great local card going on at the Miami Fair Expo Center last night. It was the original card that was supposed to be on uh, at Marlins Park, actually. And I don't know what the ramp, what, uh, what what led it to be where it was at, but, man, that building was jumping yesterday. An amazing atmosphere. A lot of people there to go see uh, Cuban gold medalist, former champion, Yoriokis Gamboa, uh, and, and really got himself an impressive win yesterday where he, he, he is setting up now a matchup down the line with Juan Manuel Lopez, probably for this spring. Uh, both guys winning a tune-up yesterday to, to set that collision course. And you had some, uh, you had a call-out afterwards. Really, really cool to see uh, that boxing was uh, alive and well in Miami and see that kind of atmosphere and see that kind of turnout and to see what everybody was, uh, uh, was there to see. So it was uh, really cool to see. And also, of course, you know, uh, attachment to this show, our boy Harold Calderon, who fights down here. In uh, trains down here in Miami, uh, Miami guy. You know we've had on the show several times. He was in our Give Dwayne Biscayne video. Huge Miami Heat fan, huge Dolphins fan, huge Canes fan. Uh, he improved to eighteen and zero with just a vicious performance in the eighth round with a, a, a TKO victory. Huge left hand, putting his opponent down, uh, challenging opponent to really corner the entire fight. It was uh, it was a bit of an ugly fight uh, early going because of the height dis- uh, the height uh, difference between the two guys. Uh, but eventually catches him, moves to 18-0, and 0, and, uh, and hopefully big things for, for Harold as well. Um, but on my way home, so I you know, I went there, caught the Calderon fight. Then I had to hop into my car and uh, get home to watch some UFC as it was the 25th anniversary show yesterday from Denver. A little bit of a lackluster card up until we got to the co-main and main event, and those two fights did not disappoint. We had Donald Cerrone who was taking on Mike Perry. And for those, I don't know how much we covered the uh, the background of this fight, but there was a uh, there was a time where Donald Cerrone, he was one of the poster children for Greg Jackson's Jackson Winklejohn in Albuquerque. You know, this was the guy, one of the top stars there, along with John Jones, Holly Holm, and Diego Sanchez. You know, Donald Cerrone's right in there with the most recognizable people. And he had a huge falling out with the gym after Mike Perry decided to join there. These two ended up uh, on a showdown together where they were going to fight one another. And Cerrone wanted them to stick with him as the guy because obviously in a gym, it's very sensitive. They know all his advantages. They know him better than anybody else. And Mike Perry's coming in there. He's kind of the young buck. Don Cerrone has been on the back end of it as far as uh, losing some fights recently. You know, people are wondering whether Don Cerrone, we've been through this with Cerrone before. Is he long in the tooth? Is this the end for him? He kind of had this run at the end of 155, and that's what made his resurgence at 170 so great. You know, a lot of people, if you are a UFC fan, it's hard not to root for Donald Cerrone. Yesterday, with his victory, was able to become the winningest fighter in UFC history. But he's a fan favorite. I mean, fights he he is the epitome of fights anyone, anytime, anywhere. Um, you know, his, his uh, behavior outside the ring is known that he goes cliff diving and bungee jumping and scuba diving. Uh, you know, uh, the, this idea, I think we talked about this the last time, you know, he went, he almost died cave diving, which seems like the stupidest thing in the world, but that's Don Cerrone. That's why you love him. And to see almost full circle that a guy who was so iconic with that gym in, in, in the most famous gym, really maybe outside of ATT, our own down here in Coconut Creek, uh, everybody knows Jackson Wink. And he was kind of cast out. It was almost like the old lion was thrown out for a younger one in the pride, you know, that they want to stick with. And I know there's a lot of personal stuff about how much he was involved with the camp. Maybe he was selfish. But even still, everybody recognizes what Don Cerrone 
and, and and that tie to that camp has been. So to see this, he gets into this fight and really just as calm as it gets. You know, Mike Perry's throwing some some real bombs at him, nothing really landing, and then it comes to this point where, you know, Perry gets uh gets ends up getting a takedown on him and 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 Cowboy just re- flips it on him, reverses it on him and starts going to work for the submission. Uh Perry, who's who's just as strong as hell. I mean, the dude is a real ox. Um, uh, you know, ends up slamming Don Cerrone down, but but kind of ends up in triangle mode and is in a bad spot. I mean, if you want to talk about these two and what skill sets they bring, yes, Mike Perry can actually throw some some absolute bombs. He's he's called Platinum Perry for a reason. He deads people when he hits them the right way, whether it's with that with those fists, whether it's with that elbow. You know how how dangerous he can be. But Don Cerrone has seen it all, done it all, can do it all, and he starts going to work on Mike Perry. And it was uh, it was just a matter of time. He ends up getting this armbar, really, really in a bad spot. And I, I you know, he says he heard it pop. So I don't know how long Mike Perry's going to be out, but he ends up getting to the point where Mike Perry has to tap out. Huge victory. So Don Cerrone gets the win, wins the personal grudge match, not really against Mike Perry, but simply for the standing in the gym. And it was really cool to see. The other thing that was awesome is, so he starts motioning to the crowd. And a lot of people think, oh, is he is he mother believing Mike Winklejohn? Like, what's going on here? And no. He was calling for his either, I don't know if they're married, wife or fiance to bring their son into the into the octagon. And the son has, is dressed like little cowboy. I mean, it's the most adorable thing you've ever seen, especially in, in the fact that two people were just breaking arms in the midst of a cage. Uh, he brings his son and has the giant headphones on and is just carrying him around. And it was just, it was an interesting thing because, you know, cow, cowboy's a wild mother bleeper. You know, like this is a guy who... Everybody as a fight fan knows, like, this guy will will just, just he he's the original, like, send me location. You know, I know everybody's tying that to Khabib right now, but let's not forget, Khabib was one of the most inactive fighters in the UFC. Don Cerrone's the original, send me location, and I'll do it. Um, to his own detriment, you know, like, he had this crazy fight with Mike Brown a couple of years back, and then he wants to go fight Jorge Masvidal in Denver in, in, in two and a half weeks. And you should not go fight Jorge Masvidal on two and a half weeks. You could get tuned up because... We know that Masvidal is an absolute badass. Um, but that's just that's what makes Cowboy so great. He'll go to Poland to fight some giant uh, unknown guy named Darren Till. He'll go and, and, and go to the different corners to, to take a fight. But it was so cool to see um, him say these things where he's just like, I had this moment where, where somebody showed me my son in the back and I actually got emotional. And it was kind of one of those things where you're not taking food out of my kid's mouth. And it really was one of those, you don't know, like, Cowboys never kind of been one of those guys. And to see that, you know, fatherhood can do that to anybody, the the wildest of them all. The the guy who maybe seems a little bit reckless, a little bit loose, um, doesn't matter. And so that's, that that moment meant uh, meant a great deal to him and was, was really awesome to see because, you know, fighting is so fragile, and a reason why we're such fans of this stuff and to see these guys, what they go out and put on the line every single time they step into a cage, they step into a ring. You don't think about what these guys are really doing, how much weight is carried on these fighters' shoulders, the the the, the, the lives they're trying to provide for their children, for their families. And, you know, to think about a guy who has the most UFC wins be thrown almost aside in favor of you know a, a potential star in Mike Perry and it's kind of just like oh it's like that and so for him to get that win not only personally but professionally was absolutely huge he says afterwards that now wants to go back to 155 and eventually fight Khabib uh I thought this was a pretty cool uh, idea by uh, Jeremy Botter who I think is writing for Bleacher Report currently but he's a really good writer um and he said the fight to make is Cowboy versus Conor McGregor at 155 pounds. And kind of thinking about it, it really is the fight to make. I mean, those guys have always kind of been circling the uh, circling the water on each other for a, for a while. I love that fight because obviously the Khabib fight versus, versus Cowboy is not going to happen, but he's going to go back to 155, and he wants to make a statement. Uh, you know that Cowboy is going to strike with, with Conor. The lead-up to that fight would be absolutely epic. They've 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 had their run-ins before. It's a huge money fight, I think, for both involved. 
Um, and it's kind of at that level where I think if you're if you're looking at Connor and you're looking for a fight that's that's kind of looking for you to get right, there's only really three fights I think that make sense for Connor. That has to be the capable opponent and have the name recognition. And if you look at that division, I think those fights are the Nate Diaz trilogy, Dustin Poirier, the rematch at lightweight, or this Donald Cerrone fight. I think those are really the only three that make sense as far as the people that are concerned at that weight class. So it, to me, I thought that was a home run idea by uh, by Botter as far as what could be next for him. Um, but I do like the idea that you know he, he goes back to 155, a place where he was a title contender. He did get to to that fight where he was he had the opportunity to to win gold uh could he beat Khabib it's a tough fight I mean it's definitely the best striker that Khabib would ever face um Donald is as well-rounded as it gets he wrestles with with 170 years he's he's been at that camp at Jackson Wing, so you know he trains with absolute monsters um definitely the opponent I think that you would say with Khabib has seen the most is the most well-rounded um you know that's 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 an interesting fight, and it, it was really cool to see. Really, moment of the night as far as the personal stuff was concerned, but physically, the moment of the night was the main event. It was stupendous. Yaya Rodriguez taking on Korean Zombie in an absolute slugfest over five rounds. These two guys put on an absolute show. Um. Just the high-level striking was unbelievable in this bout. And to give you some background on this, you know, Chan Sung Jung was gone for a little bit. He had to go do his mandatory Korean military service. Uh, He came back, uh, knocked out Dennis Bermudez and sensational style. And then he he comes back and is set up with this fight with Yair. He was supposed to fight Frankie Edgar. Yair has been in a weird spot. We haven't seen him, I think, since July of 2017. It might even be earlier than that. He has been gone for a long time. Yair was kind of the human highlight reel. This guy was was doing some next-level stuff. Gets in there with Frankie Edgar, and he he got drowned by Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar put a beating on him that was so hellacious, and we really didn't see Yair since then. He's He's been gone. Went through a series where he was actually cut from the UFC because he wouldn't take a fight with Zabit. Um, and so it seemed like he was going to be gone. He was going to go to Bellator. They ended up working it out. I think he ended up firing his agent or something like that. And he re-signs with the UFC. And you saw last night why this guy's so valuable and can be the star that he is. I mean, the, the stuff that he comes up with in this in this cage is so innovative it's so next level it's different speed he he really is it's 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 crazy to explain but even with all that being said he's in this fight with korean zombie who was living up to the nickname to the fullest because even with the crazy stuff the crazy elbows the crazy spinning back fist the crazy roundhouse kicks the crazy side kicks that he was throwing at him just keeps coming forward coming forward and pressing on you always with the pressure always with the strikes when when you think you have him a little bit of a break you're giving yourself a little bit of range he's still coming at you and it was just it was tremendous to see these guys just go down like that but they get to this final round they first of all they do the super hug out right before the 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 fifth and final round a lot of respect between these guys and paul felder brought up a good point that i hadn't even thought of um and that was the idea that, you know, these guys are not only fighting in the fifth round, but they're fighting in Denver. So we have to keep that in mind as well. I don't care what kind of training you're doing. You're doing it in that thin air. Um, it's uh, it's still crazy difficult. And so these guys are, are, are giving you an absolute showcase in high altitude in the championship rounds with no championship on the line. And, man, they, 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 keep, they keep getting to these situations where, they're, they're they're having exchanges. They're standing off. They're they're looking up at the clock. They're kind of soaking in the moment, but they get to this last exchange, and Korean Zombie rushes in, and Yair catches him with an up elbow, deads him, flatlines him, with a second left in the fight. Unbelievable, unbelievable finish. Knockout of the year. One of the best knockouts you'll see. Just 
who who pulls that out of their bag of tricks? It was it was unbelievable the uh, the knockout that Yair put out. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, if you if you if you were uh, if you uh, went to bed early, I can't recommend it enough. You can go to my Twitter account at Brendan underscore Tobin. I'll retweet it at Seven Nine the Ticket as well, so you guys can check this out. But this move that Yair pulls out was sensational, and all the bad feelings I think the company probably had of Yair and maybe we're feeling towards Yair going into this moment. He takes this fight on short notice. He goes five rounds, basically. He did go five rounds and pulls that out right before the horn sounds in the fifth and final round. Uh, I don't know how he can't be in anything but everybody's good graces now. He he has to have won so much respect from the company, from the fight fans. Uh, I know that was a, was a tough situation that he was going through, but again, you think about the tough situations these guys go through. It's not just the the training and the stuff they have to put their body through. It's not just the rigorous, thankless hours of preparation that they have to put their body through. But then you think about the business side that they have to deal with, people pulling them in different directions, um, the mat, the right matchup at the right moment for their careers. And this is a guy in, in Yair Rodriguez who really has all the tools to be a star. He's fun to watch in the ring. He's bilingual. He uh, he He really has all of the capabilities of being a big, big mega superstar for the company. And he pulls out a knockout like that. People are going to want to watch that. So a fun, fun night of fights. We'll get into a little bit more of the boxing from yesterday as Alexander Usyk gets a big-time win over Tony Bellew. What does this mean for the heavyweight division? Everybody is waiting for Usyk's rise up to heavyweight as he's done everything there is to do now. Cruiserweight, will he drop all the belts and set up a fight with Anthony Joshua? Is that the move that Anthony Joshua really wants to go to? We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you as we roll on. Fun night of fights last night, man. I am really, I'm really jonesed up over that stuff. It was really, really great. Uh, let's get into a little bit of this. So if, uh, if you guys didn't see this yesterday, so Alexander Usyk got a huge win over Tony Bellew yesterday, eighth round KO, monster left hand. Um, just he he looks like an absolute monster, and the fact that he won that Super Six with the with the cruiserweight titles and won the Muhammad Ali Trophy, everybody was was really raving about this. But um, it was it was a bit of a, an understatement as far as publicity was concerned. Didn't have the TV deal. It's now hooked up with the Zone, uh, which is great, and it's it's a fact that you know the Zone is. Though, though there has been, you know, some issues I've had with the, the streaming and whatnot. As far as the platform is concerned, if you are a big-time boxing fan, the fact that they give you from the top of the card all the way to the bottom, um, you can make a whole afternoon of watching just crazy amounts of boxing, especially on days where it's like this is overseas, so you're going to get, like, basically a 1 o'clock start and basically until 7 if you want to watch boxing, you can get get hooked up to that. But, you know, this was a big-time performance because – he was going to get that publicity. He was going to be on Sky Sports. He's going against Tony Bellew, who's a huge, huge star over there. You know, former star of Creed. Uh, you know, so it's it's a it's it was a good test for Usyk as far as you know having the limelight. But man, these dudes from Kazakhstan. I'm just saying, like they don't give a bleep. It's it's so crazy to see what kind of training that they have. And I don't know what it is. Like I, there's there's almost there's also a little bit more charisma. As far as, like, we had the dudes, like the Klitschko brothers, and you know, the Klitschko brothers were cool, but there was no style. There was no style to the substance. You know what I mean? Like, it was jab, 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 hold, jab, 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 big right hand, maybe we'll put you down, um, and would take on dudes you just never heard of. You know, so you could say, like, the difference here, if, if you wanted to talk about, like, kind of that uh, that that Euro takeover from, from these dudes, it's uh, it's a little bit different. And so, um, with with Usyk, who's from Ukraine, not not Kazakhstan. Sorry about that. Um, he's from the same places as Lomachenko, and 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 has that same training background. But he is, uh, man, he he looks dynamic. And you just had Tony Bellew talking him up like crazy, saying he's the best dude he's ever fought. That the heavyweights need to watch out. And you know, Bellew said that his career was done at the moment. Came into this thing very very confident, but. Look, this 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 dude looks like an absolute monster going up to to heavyweight. You talked about Bellew, who's taken on some heavyweights recently. Uh, was in talks that he wanted to fight 
uh, a bunch of guys like Tyson Fury beat David Hay, even if it was with some injury concerns. So this was a good pretest, not only because of who Bellew's been in there with, but also it's a, it's a good test because he's going to have more of the limelight on him. And how is Alexander Usyk going to handle that? So he gets into this fight and puts on that kind of performance in front of that nation. And so you're in this point now where, okay, do we have another one here as far as the heavyweight picture is concerned? Because, you know, he's not as, as big as the, the biggest of the guys with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. But also we're in the situation where it seems like Anthony Joshua is a, a, out without a dance partner right now. But the problem you have to wonder about with, with Usyk's performance yesterday is almost was it too good? You know, if he was if he will goes in there with Tony Bellew, and obviously there's a tie in there with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn was there to to kind of scope this all out. Does he look too good to take on Anthony Joshua? Because there's a lot riding on the line, and we know that look, it's not a question of Anthony Joshua ducking, but it does feel very much like he is being protected currently. And so there is definitely a natural connection for the networks. Um, you could say that, okay, Joshua's probably naturally bigger if he's going in here with, with Usyk, but the question remains is, all right, what is the gas tank situation? He goes in there is, is Usyk striking at a level where he has to be concerned that he can get peppered up and tuned up a little bit. Uh, obviously Anthony Joshua has a good amateur background as well, being, uh, an Olympic gold medalist, but even still is, is 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 the juice worth the squeeze there when it comes to Joshua? Because we're in this situation right now where Deontay Wilder is about to face Tyson Fury in about three weeks' time. And I feel like whoever comes out of that is going to have a lot of momentum behind them as the guy in the heavyweight division. Even though Anthony Joshua has all the belts, the fact that these two are looked upon as actually, you know, two of the top three, and they're going at it, and Anthony Joshua's kind of just sitting idly by when both of these guys wanted to fight him. There's going to be a situation where that next fight that Joshua takes, he's going to have a lot of pressure on himself to deliver a big-time performance. And he goes out there and he loses to the guy who was the cruiserweight champion. Uh, what does that do to Anthony Joshua's brand? Now, mind you, I would still love to see the fight. I'm not saying duck the fight because you're taking on a guy of this caliber. You know that he's taken on a very dangerous opponent. But the question does have to be asked, is 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 it worth fighting Usyk with everything that could be on the line there and you could still lose? Or do you finally make the Wilder fight happen if Wilder is to win? Do you make the Tyson Fury fight happen if that is who is to win? Because, yes, the idea that there might be trouble promotionally because there's a money split problem, we can understand that, but I don't know if those guys are, are, are ever going to be hotter. Like, so if you're going to make this fight, you got to you you got to know when that when that line is between let's let this rivalry cook a little bit more to now is the right time to strike. And the heavyweights are in a in, in a good spot right now where there's a lot of guys that are fun to watch between the three that we mentioned: Joshua, Tyson Fury. And Deontay Wilder, between the guys that are probably on the other side, Jim Joyce, Jarrell Miller, Joe Parker, um, Alexander Usyk taking it, taking the, the the next level up. So there's a good bevy of guys who can take that next step. But ultimately, we need to know who the guy is amongst those three. And whoever comes out on top of December 1st, I really think the next move has to be taken on Anthony Joshua and and all respect to what Usyk put, put put forth yesterday it was really great I think they should have him go out and you know put him on the card with the winner of Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder and fight Anthony Joshua so have Usyk as the co-main and, and still build him up because I still think that needs time you know you have this opportunity now where you know he's still making that move up to heavyweight and they may feel like, oh, well, this is the time he's going to feel what it's like to get hit by an actual heavyweight. Let's put him in there with Anthony Joshua. And I'm not saying Anthony Joshua can't win. He absolutely can. But I, I do wonder about the timing of that. You're, 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 you're just starting to get to know Usyk on the main stage. And 
I think the idea of throwing him in there, maybe you feel like it's a, a lower risk, but also I feel like the reward is a lot less. And people are going to be like, oh, Anthony Josh should beat Alexander Usyk? Great. Most people are going to sit around here and shrug their shoulders, kind of like the Pavetkin win. Yeah, you know, Pavetkin was a dangerous opponent. He was a game opponent. But it's kind of just like, all right. And what? He's not he's not fighting Deontay Wilder. I do think with with Joshua, because of what is starting to become the perception that he's not fighting the guy, he's not really fighting the guy for the championship. I think the per- perception is going to almost be like it was with Floyd. Like, great, you're fighting Robert Guerrero, not Pacquiao. Oh, great, you're fighting Maidana, not Pacquiao. That that did because even even with these performances, even if they were dangerous fights, like he was fighting with Maidana, even with the risk that he was putting out there, great. You're not fighting. You're not fighting the guy I want you to see you fight. And mind you, Floyd was getting thirty million guaranteed on these on these pay per views, no matter what, and just under a million buys. Like he was a bankable pay per view star, even in a, in a place where people weren't happy with the guy he was taking on. Joshua's going to be fine because he's he's loved in London and he's loved in the UK. But is he going to be known as the guy who's loved in the UK or is he going to be known as the guy who's loved around the world? And I know how much it means to him. You know, he's spoken on, you know, for years and years, we've always had to go to over, over to America. I want them to come to us. I don't have a problem with that. I think for, for this argument, I think he's right. I think that. Deontay Wilder, should he be Tyson Fury, should go over to the UK. I think it would be great for him. I think he'll get more love than he gets over here because I don't understand it. But they're just a better boxing fan base than we are in America right now. It just, it's the case. They're, they're crazed for it. But that doesn't mean that even if you're crazed as a fan, doesn't mean you're not taking on the guy that you really want that guy to see. Even if you're a huge fan of the guy, you want to see the fighter that you root for beat the absolute best. You want to know that he is the man. So, look, if you make the Usyk fight happen, cool. You know I'm going to watch. You know, I think if you listen to this show, you're all going to watch. We're hardcore fans. But are you going to be able to convince your friend's friends to come and watch the fight? Are you going to be able to say, hey, no, 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 this is the great fight. It's like, oh, Joshua, is he fighting that wilder guy? Because, look, I'll tell you about, like, when I go, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I talk to people who... Our fight fans, casually, they want to see Wilder versus Joshua. That's the fight they want to see. Not Joshua versus Usyk, and not even really Wilder versus Tyson Fury, even though I explained to them, oh, love that fight, can't wait for it. Look at all the stuff that's on the line for this fight. That fight has everything you want, but it's not the fight everybody wants to see. You know, that 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 is very much programmed to fight fans' mentality. You, you, you get this bone that you really want. You really want to see this matchup of, Joshua versus Wilder, and people become obsessed with it. And so even though I could tell, you know, 10 people that are, you know, casual fight fans, no, 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 Wilder versus Tyson Fury, this is the matchup you want to see. You know, there's still some, like, first of all, if you're a casual boxing fan, you look at Tyson Fury, you're like, oh, really? This guy, the the, the flabby dude, the flabby ball dude who, uh, who, you know, not much to look at, people judge a book by its cover. But if you put Joshua versus Wilder and you just look at these two guys, they, they have in, in, incredible, incredible physiques. You know, Anthony Joshua is, is muscles on, on top of muscles. They're both huge. Um, I don't know. Both both are more knockout artists, if you could say. Both bring that power. It just, it, it just draws to the eye more. More people are into it than they would be Wilder versus Tyson Fury, even though Tyson Fury is probably better at selling fights as far as being a charismatic dude on the mic more interesting, he's definitely more interesting, uh, more well-rounded. You know, he probably has another skill set, but I'm telling you, it's a little thing like that that will switch upon whether or not you can get fringe people to be interested in it. So, ultimately, I think um, we got next week Jarrell Miller. He is going to be fighting um, in in another DAZN card. I think that should he beat Bogdan Dinu, um, I think that's going to be the next opponent for Anthony Joshua. If I really had to pin it down, uh, network-wise, I think that it makes sense. They're both the zone guys. There's been a lot of flirtation between Jarrell Miller and Eddie Hearn. I think that's probably going to be his next opponent. Uh, He is a charismatic dude. 
not much of a knockout threat, but I do think that he has a lot of things that could create problems for Anthony Joshua because of the volume of punches that he throws, because he is so damn big. He comes into that ring over 300 pounds. So there are problems that Jarrell Miller can present Anthony Joshua, and I think that's probably more likely his next opponent than Alexander Usyk is. I think almost Alexander Usyk was too good yesterday. If he would have struggled with Tony Bellew, if it would have gone the distance, you probably could have locked up the fact that if he would have gotten that win over Tony Bellew, that they would have gone with that direction of him fighting and Anthony Joshua next. But because of how sensational that knockout was, because of how much Tony Bellew was talking him up, because he's basically warning heavyweights, hey, watch out with this dude. I think he's actually going to have more trouble getting opponents now, and especially Anthony Joshua. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. It's Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. We got to get into this uh, this Floyd Mayweather situation. We talked about this last week as it was kind of breaking on Sunday night. Uh, we, did a, we did a special Monday edition of the podcast. And by the way, you guys, if you miss any of the show, you can download on theticketmiami.com, the radio.com app. You can subscribe there. You can also subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff, leave a review, all that. Appreciate all your support. Um, so Floyd Mayweather was supposed to take on this dude, Tenshin Nasukawa, who is a kickboxing sensation. And this was a really weird press conference, man. Like you got Floyd Mayweather out in Japan and he just is like talking through translators. They're taking on this dude who's 122 pounds, 22 years old. He has it. Look, it was cool getting introduced to him because I had never heard of him before. But watching his YouTube clips of some of the knockouts he pulls off, woo! I mean, he makes he makes Yair Rodriguez look basic with some of the kicks that he throws. It was crazy. Leroy and I sat here before Tuesday's show or Monday or Tuesday's show, and we are just in awe of the stuff this guy's pulling off. And there's we're just also saying to each other, to each other there's no shot. Floyd Mayweather is fighting this dude in anything that allows kicks. We even had Tyrone Spong. Shout out to Tyrone, who's going to be, I believe, fighting again in December. Who's a decorated, multiple-time kickboxing champion. He's also now the number seven heavyweight contender in the WBO. So this guy's got some fight credentials on both ends. We asked Tyrone, hey, how many kicks would you need to really mess up a dude in boxing, not in boxing, how many kicks would you need to mess up a boxer? Because we were thinking, like, would there be limited rules? Would they only get, like, two kicks? And he's like, if you gave me th- two, three kicks in a in a round, I'd need three rounds probably to really end you. You know, I'd save my kicks for the end of the round, and then I'd whap, hit you with, like, a baseball bat at the end. You'd be done. You'd be done. And... He's just like, there's just no way. I can't see him being in a fight where they allow kicks. So I think it's Wednesday rolls around. And Floyd Mayweather gets on Instagram. And he's like, yes, I have an announcement to make. Let me see if I get this whole statement because it was crazy. I remember, uh, you know what? It was Wednesday because I remember reading this during the Radiothon. And Floyd Mayweather gets on social media and... <laughs> This is the longest post you ever get from Floyd Mayweather. Now that I'm back on U.S. soil after a long and disappointing trip to Tokyo, I now have time to address you, my fans, the media, in regards to my upcoming event on December 31st that was recently announced. First and foremost, I want to be clear that I, Floyd Mayweather, never agreed to an official bout with Tenshin Nasukawa. In fact, with all due respect, I never heard from, uh, never heard of him until this recent t- trip to Japan. Ultimately, I was asked to participate in a nine-minute exhibition of three rounds for the Rise and Fighting Federation. I was originally informed by Brent Johnson of One Entertainment that this was supposed to be an exhibition put on for a small group of wealthy spectators for a very large fee. This exhibition was previously arranged as a special bout purely for entertainment purposes with no intentions of being represented as an official fight or televised worldwide. Once I arrived at the press conference, my team and I were completely derailed by the new direction the event was going. And we should have put a stop to it immediately, but I sincerely want to apologize to my fans and very misleading information that was announced during the press conference. I can assure you 
that I was that I can assure you that I too was completely blindsided by the arrangements that were being made without my consent or approval. For for the sake of several fans and attendees that flew in for all parts of the world to attend this press conference, I was hesitant to create a huge disturbance by combating what was being said. Therefore, I'm truly sorry. I'm a retired boxer that earns an unprecedented amount of money globally for appearances and speaking engagements and occasional small exhibitions, which Floyd, to our knowledge, has never been in. Um, But, look, I understand what Floyd's saying, and if you were watching the whole thing, it did seem very weird. However, I still find it very unlikely a guy as smart as Floyd Mayweather is when it comes to the business side of fighting had all of this get to that point. Floyd Mayweather knows what the significance of a fight press conference is. All right? And so this idea that you guys are going to walk out on this press conference, like nobody stopped this press conference before it went out there and said, hey, Floyd, this is kind of looking official, man. Because if it was supposed to be just a small exhibition for a few wealthy people, you don't have a press conference. For what? You can't televise it. It's just supposed to be for a bunch of rich dudes, right? In Japan? What do you need a press conference for? It doesn't make sense. So I don't really understand where he comes from in that standpoint. Like, yeah, we were blindsided. It's like, you were? Or did you agree to a kickboxing match and not realize it? And that's bad news for you because you didn't know who this guy was. And then somebody got on Instagram and said, hey, Floyd, you might want to check out what this tension Nasukawa can do. Kill you. So, Ryzen also put out a press conference. And they say this. At a press conference held on November, we at Ryzen announced that a Ryzen 14 fight card at the Super Arena on December 31st would be headlined by Floyd Mayweather versus Tenshin Asukawa. Whole card they put on. However, shortly after this announcement, Mr. Mayweather himself made an announcement through social media. This message seemed to be insisting that the match had been canceled. We sincerely apologize for the confusion. Um, Our chairman, Nobuyuki Sakabara, I definitely messed that up, is currently holding discussions towards carrying out a match based on the original contract between our promotion and Mr. Mayweather. This is based on a basic agreement we initially had with Mr. Mayweather, and we hope to have a clearer announcement next week. In truth, we'd like to make a clearer announcement now. Unfortunately, as of writing, we're not in a position to report our current negotiating situation for you all. Thus, the statement will concern on our outgoing development. Sadly, we're afraid to inform you that this will be needing more time, and we sincerely apologize for the confusion and concern this has been causing. So, the only real thing of substance that we can take from that is them saying original agreement, which leads you to believe, if you believe Ryzen, that there was, to Floyd's point, probably some exhibition agreement. I don't know for how much. I don't know... Uh, for how many rounds or whatnot, but it seems like they're in some kind of agreement that there was a fight exhibition scheduled, but it kind of seems like they threw on more dollars to make this the real deal. And it's been interesting because there's been these talks about Floyd fighting in Tokyo for a little bit, ever really since the Pacquiao rumblings came out. Remember that happened in Tokyo. Those two met at a club, and they're like, oh, we're going to do this again. And it seemed like we were going to get Pacquiao versus Mayweather in December. That seems to have been derailed. Now it seems like Manny's going to go fight Adrian Broner. Maybe we'll get that sometime next year. But it's not like Floyd hasn't been in Tokyo or this is something that's been drawn up quick. It seems like this has been something that's been worked on for a little bit. And so for Floyd to get over here now, be back in America and say, ah, yeah, there, there never was a thing agreed to. I don't know, man. I, it seems a little bit flaky to me. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think these people from Ryzen, like Ryzen's not some schlub organization. They've been heard of. They are known over in Asia. Like people, people in Ryzen. You know, do they let people take all the steroids for their for their fights? Yes, yes, that's true. They do. Uh, do they absolutely say, we do not test for steroids? Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. But, however, it's not like they're, they're small time. People know about Ryzen. So, I find it weird that you would get to the point of announcing a fight like that and Floyd would have no idea that he would be that blindsided by it.
So it's interesting. Um, we'll definitely follow up on that. I want to see what the fallout from that is. But I don't think we've heard the last of this story. And I don't believe that these people at Ryzen, you know, had this fight with Floyd. And we're like, fingers crossed. We're just kidding. It's actually not just an exhibition, Floyd. Psych, you're actually in a main event on a huge stage at the Superdome. Okay. I just, I don't know. Something doesn't jive there with me. Now, it was interesting to note, like, Leonard Ellaby, Al Heyman, they didn't seem involved with this. So, Steven Espinoza, nobody from, from his actual American base seemed to be really helping him with this. Was this a case he didn't want to share commit? I don't know. Um, so, there were parts of this that were out of character for Floyd. Um, I guess the big, like, we mentioned this a little bit last week. The thing that is a little bit concerning is, why is Floyd even fighting an exhibition fight for a small group of people? And you really do have to be worried about, like, man, all the money that they've said. This has been a long theory of Chael Sons for a long time. That is That his net worth and his pay-per-view numbers have been grossly overblown about how much money Floyd actually makes. But even if they're, even if his numbers are grossly overblown, that doesn't mean that Floyd doesn't make the most. He makes the most. So the idea that he's got to go fight some dude in Japan, in Ryzen, randomly, when if he really wanted to do, if he really wanted to do a fight like this, you could fight Conor McGregor on some weird rules or something like that. You get guaranteed more money than you've probably ever seen. You know, people want to see Floyd lose. It's a huge appeal. And so if you were to say, hey, Floyd, you could actually fight a fight. If you want to fight a fight with kicks, screw this, you know, Nenshin Takokawa. You could go fight Conor McGregor. You'll get 50 times that if you really want to do this. But the idea that he has to take this fight on such short notice in Tokyo, it's just very weird and very sad. And so we'll obviously get more clarity on it, I think. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where Ryzen goes from here as far as what they think is concerned and when people really dig into the reporting of this. Because right now we just have two sides kind of apologizing that there was all this confusion. But I just, for a guy like Floyd Mayweather to be in the fight game as long as he is, I understand you're in another country. I understand you're in Japan and you're not dealing with the people that you're normally dealing with as far as like Showtime and Steven Espinoza and and that kind of format. But I would assume that if you're going to go out on that stage and you see this press conference, you want to find it immediately a little bit weird that, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to have this exhibition for a bunch of Japanese tycoons. Um, we're having a press conference for it. Why? Why would they have a press conference for it? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. You can't, if it's a private show for uh, a, a small group of a bunch of uh, rich people, well, they can't sell that on pay per view. They can't sell tickets to that to the public. So, what do you need a press conference for? Ultimately, a press conference, you know, if people don't realize this, Press conferences are there to announce a fight so you can sell tickets. So I have a hard time for to, to believe that Floyd, who has been in the fight game since he was a child, and his father's been in the fight game, his family's been in the fight game, Floyd Mayweather knows the business of boxing about better than anybody. He knows what the point of a press conference is. So how are we now to believe Oh, yeah, I was just letting it ride, man. I didn't want to make a big stink about it. Forget making a stink about it. Don't go out on the stage. Wait, hey, excuse me, uh, Mr. Ryzen. Why are we having a press conference? Oh, you know, just, what, what is this, dress up? This is just, this is playing pretend? I don't know. Something, something stinks about it from both ends. I can't wait to follow up on it. Aqua and Orange pregame show is coming up next. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right, guys, bonus segment here. A couple of UFC things I wanted to get to that I wasn't able to during the show. The, the Floyd Mayweather thing kind of took over for me there. Um, TJ Dillashaw is going to fight Henry Cejudo coming up in January for the flyweight title. Now, if you're a listener of this show, you know my stance, this TJ Dillashaw fight. And this idea that TJ Dillashaw gets to fight for a second belt and go down and wait to fight it. This has been a long debate now for a while. Like, TJ wanted to go down and fight Mighty Mouse, and, you know, they kept billing this as a huge super fight for TJ Dillashaw, and and Mighty Mouse is going to put him on the map. 
And for the longest time, I was like, this guy doesn't fight at 125 pounds. He's never fought at 125 pounds. I can't imagine he he plans to stick around fighting at 125 pounds. I, and also, just on the premise, I don't get the appeal of a guy going down in weight just to collect belts. It doesn't do anything for him, legacy-wise. Like, I am just not impressed. You know, I shouldn't say I'm not impressed. I just don't I don't get the, the big picture of TJ Dillashaw going down in weight to go get belts because in in all the times this has really been done it's always been the case of a guy goes up in weight GSP goes up D- Daniel Cormier goes up uh Conor McGregor goes up uh, am I missing anybody else Randy Couture <sighs> which one came first for Randy Couture slips my mind but I think it went I think he goes up goes to heavyweight and goes to gets to get the belt for the longest time it just didn't make sense to me like all right he's gonna go down to go and wait and cut weight and win it at 125 just didn't make sense to me so now we know oh BJ Penn and BJ Penn I believe went up he went up to welterweight 155 to 170 so these are the people that have done it but for the real attempts, and, and and mind you, BJ Penn, 155, 170, like 155, like th- these are big jumps. Like Randy Couture, heavyweight to light heavyweight, huge jumps. This idea that you're cutting down 10 pounds to get to 125 to beat Mighty Mouse, it was just silly to me. I just didn't, I, you know, I've ranted on it a thousand times. So we all know the backstory is Ben Askren and Mighty Mouse, basically their contracts were swapped. Mighty Mouse is going to one F uh, one championship. Uh, ben is now going to be in the UFC. Seems like Robbie Lawler is going to be his first fight, which is a really tough touch for him, by the way. But that's another story for another day. And the big story this week was a lot of flyweights were told their contracts were up. They're just released. They're done. We're not, you know, we're not sending you anywhere. We're not trading you anywhere. You're just done. And you know this all this made conor mcgregor like reach out to one championship and he's like you guys should take up the whole flyweight division not just for the big fights it's only right for the sport um but weirdly enough as all these stories are coming out they are agreeing to henry cejudo fighting tj dillashaw but only with Dillashaw going down. And I got to assume this is on Dillashaw's side. Dana said this last night that Dillashaw wants to win a second belt. But okay, now not only are you going down in weight to go get a belt, which I find silly to begin with, you're taking on a guy in Henry Cejudo who will go up in weight. Like the one thing with 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 Mighty Mouse, he wasn't going to go up in weight. He's just like, I'm not a bantamweight. I'm a flyweight, uh, and that's that. So you have a willing dance partner to go up in weight and fight you, um, which would be a more appealing thing to me. It's more interesting to me. And with with TJ, it's like, all right, he's going to win this belt. What basically seems like a belt for a dead division. He's not going to he's not going to defend the belt. It doesn't even seem like there's going to be a division to defend it against. So what are we doing here? Like I just don't understand it. It's just like, yes, TJ Dillashaw becomes the sixth man to win uh, a, a belt in two-way classes, but one of them doesn't exist. What are we doing? I don't understand it. It's it's so silly to me that he's going down to 125 to fight a guy who really should just drop the belt because the belt the division's not going to exist anymore and just be the number one contender at bantamweight. It makes it makes so much more sense. And you could actually have a rivalry here that can continue. It could be something. You could add a new, a little new life into that bantamweight division. You have people at bantamweight, like maybe Marlon Marias or uh, or Rafael Sunsau. Those guys are 2-2 or 1-1, so this would be a rubber match title fight. Always have the Dominic Cruz fight that you could do with him. He lost to Dominic Cruz. That's, that's something that could always be made. I, I just don't get it. it. It makes no sense to me. Somebody explain it to me. Somebody, somebody explain to me the benefit of TJ Dillashaw winning the flyweight championship. Then let's say he loses. Okay. Let's just on top of all this, let's just say Henry Cejudo picks his ass up, puts his ass on the ground and 
beats him. Then what? Then what? Now your bantamweight champion has lost to the flyweight champion, a championship that's not going to exist. So then what? What do you do at that point? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Because at least if it went to 135 and Henry Cejudo were to win, he wins the championship and then we're at least continuing on. If he loses, no biggie. He was the flyweight champion. He drops the belt and now he's back in the contender pool. But, like, does anybody consider this? Like, what if TJ Dillashaw loses to the heavyweight, uh, loses to the flyweight champion? Then what? What What of it then? I, I, I just, it, it drives me mental. Some things that just don't make sense. I will think of TJ Dillashaw no more if he beats Henry Cejudo at 125 pounds as I do if he beats him at 135 pounds. In fact, I would think of him more if he beats him at 135 pounds than I would beating him at 125 pounds because I know that Henry Cejudo doesn't want to be at 125 pounds anyway. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It's dumb. It's a dumb fight to make for no reason. There's more deserving bantamweights. I'd rather see Henry Cejudo move up in weight. Moving down in weight is not impressive to me. You know... The, he's never made flyweight. Like, what if he? What if he can? What if he can? And then what? And then we just have the fights off. And why does it? And here's another thing. Why does T.J. Dillashaw have all this pull? I don't understand it. Why is T.J. Dillashaw having the company bend over backwards to give him the most irrelevant belt they've ever had? They don't care about that belt ever. They've never cared about it. They had the most dominant champion of all time there. They, they couldn't bury that dude enough as far as fight promotion was concerned. And now they want to bend over backwards to give DJ Dillashaw the, 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 uh, the, the shot at 125. It's just stupid. Go dominate bantamweight, TJ. That's what we want to see. Be the best bantamweight champion of all time. And once you're done with that, then go fly, fight a, a featherweight. That'll be an impressive, crazy feat. You know, go go defend. You don't think there's honor in what in what Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? Go defend your belt that many times. You beat Cody, awesome. You you showed who was better there. You you may, you are definitely one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. But what does this do, man? It's just a res. It's just a thing to put on your Wikipedia. I don't know. Rant over. We'll talk to you guys next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.